Hi and welcome back to Konst. I'm Roland Philipp Kretschmar. Konst is a podcast by Scandinavian Mind about contemporary and future art, the interconnection with society, culture, technology, finance and lifestyle. The outlook is primarily at the art world from a Scandinavian perspective, although taking into account the global arena of artists, exhibitions, trade fairs and other current events. This episode is very special for me for various reasons, which I will unbox during the episode. Um, with me today, I have Marina Chipchenko. Welcome. Thank you. It's really hard to summarize, uh, honestly, <laughs> um, in, in, in short terms, uh, your contribution uh, to the contemporary art scene and to popular culture, but I will give it a try. Uh, so you were born in the mid 60s in Malmö, southern Sweden. You have an academic background in literature and theater, and you came to Stockholm in the mid 80s to work in art. Uh, and there, at, towards the end of the 80s, you also met Silen Andrean, with whom you then founded Andrean Chipchenko, which we will come back to. Uh, but in addition to art and contemporary art, you've also worked in music, popular culture. I think you have uh, contributed a lot to popular culture. You've played keyboard in different pop groups, uh, which we hopefully can speak a little bit about. You've been acting uh, lately in The Square, which won a Palme d'Or in Cannes recently. Uh, so you, you, you have had a, a huge impact on popular culture, but I would say primarily on the art scene. And through the gallery Andrian Chipchenko, which was founded in 1991 with uh, Cillian, the gallery has uh, played a role not only in Scandinavia, but on the international art scene. Uh, you have today galleries in both Stockholm and Paris, and you have successfully launched careers of many Scandinavian artists, such as Kaiser von Seipel, Gunnar Wollstrand, Annika von Hausfeld, and many others. But you've also given many international artists uh, a scene in, 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 in Scandinavia. Uta Bart, Cecilia Bengolea, José León Cerillo, Martin Soto Clement, Ridley Howard, Xavier Villon, and many others. The key question is, uh, for me, of course, um, do you agree, Marina, that you have played a seminal role on this contemporary art scene that I've described? Wow. First of all, thank you for that introduction. I'm, I'm honored. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, if I agree, yes, I, yes, I actually I do agree because when we started the gallery in 1991, there weren't any other galleries like like us actually because we we started uh, we had a, a clear idea from the beginning that we wanted to work as an international gallery, and back then in the beginning of the 90s in Sweden the galleries you had were mostly a Swedish. Uh, it, it uh, was working on the Swedish arena mm -hmm. with some exceptions. Exceptions, thank you. Vetteling was one, and Vetteling, the and then you had Sten Eriksson also. <clears throat> so, and then after us came a slew actually of, of mm -hmm. young new galleries, and, and, and many of us are still on the scene. So it's a 90s generation in a way. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think also what we have contributed to is this what you mentioned in the introduction it's the international. Uh, to, to, we have been introducing international artists to Sweden. So mm -hmm. we have always from the very start been, uh, it has been very important for us to be on an international level, but working from a Swedish platform. Uh, 
mm. up till four years ago uh, when we opened our second space in Paris. And we can talk mm. about that later, maybe. Yeah, let's get back to that a bit later. So I said in my introduction that it's a special episode for, for personal reasons as well. So uh, the first reason is that when you opened up the space, you know, I'm born in 77. Uh, so when you open up the space, I was a teenager and I remember going to see exhibitions at Andrei Shevchenko in those early years with my mother and she passed away 15 years ago, but she formed a lot of my interest in art. I mean, my, actually my, my father was an artist. He was a painter. So I, I didn't I, know. I, yeah. So he, he lived in Switzerland and in Istanbul and he was a, a an artist uh, throughout his whole life and he also died too young unfortunately but uh, w when I grew up with my mother uh, she always brought me to exhibitions and museums and galleries and, and Andrei Chipchenko in the early mid 90s was like my first I would say proper experience in Sweden with an art gallery uh, so that that was uh, you know I think it, it, you, you have been contributing to forming my view on art as well a lot that's amazing uh, Yes, I know. So thank you. <laughs> and the second reason I'm excited uh, is a couple of years later, uh, in the early uh, 2000s, um, I tried to bring art to a wider audience through working with uh, Melke Andersson. He had Restaurangen down at, at Her Torget, which was by back then a fantastic restaurant. And uh, we wanted to bring art into that space and you actually helped us to do that you know and i i was pretty surprised that you did i please i actually i have to be honest i really don't remember no this. i know Can you but you did refresh you did. my mind yes what you did. did we do it's, together yeah so it's 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 uh no it's fine you know because um it was you axel murner and a few others that you know exhibited at restaurangen together with me um during uh, not a long time, a couple of months, you know, we did uh, one or two hangings uh, in the restaurant uh, with some really interesting artworks. And, uh, you know, back then, to be honest, I mean, it was not that common that you would have great art in restaurants. I mean, true, today, true. And it's coming back to me now. Yeah. Yeah. Today, I mean, you, you have a lot others doing great work. I mean, uh, Kelly Carboni and others, you know, that, that are really passionate about art and, and, and but back then, it, this is, I mean, I think 2003, four or something. I mean, it was not that common. So I am grateful to you for that as well, even if you didn't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, you, know. you have to remember that I have the gallery for over 30 years. I know. So the memory now is like an old Rolodex, <laughs> you know. You just give me some time and I just, you know, I, tw I twist yeah. the wheel and the card comes up. I do yeah. remember now, but Rola, uh, but I always, I always, I remember you being a very young gallery visitor. Mm. That I remember. Mm. That's actually what I mean. Oh, there are so many things to talk about, but I'm just going to say that that's one thing that is actually still very rewarding uh, for me as a gallerist is mm -hmm. is the meeting with the audience. I mean, because mm -hmm. otherwise you could be like just an art dealer, or but I just love this, and actually I do love that I have 30 years to look back at now together mm -hmm. with Selena. Uh, um, so, and you know, suddenly it's like, oh my God, do you remember that? And, mm -hmm. and, and like you, you have grown up, you were a boy from the start. <laughs> it's, I like that, I like that. Yeah, no, but I, I, I think it's, uh, of course, um, 
interesting with this conversation today because you also have this uh, perspective like um, uh, earlier this week and this will come uh, in, in a later episode I interviewed uh, Philip and Jeanette from Coulisse Gallery that opened this year uh, you know and then I have you on the show that has been working 30 years you know and, and, I, and I love how vibrant the Stockholm art scene is at the moment it feels like there's um, this new energy yes I've been waiting for that to happen and now it's hmm. uh, it is happening new why, why do you think that's happening now I haven't uh, thought of it, but uh, let's see. Uh, I think it's a little bit of a ketchup effect. If one starts, other follows. And also, I think maybe it's because of after the pandemic. Uh, I mean, we started our gallery when it was a recession. And maybe there is, you know, people have had the time to rethink a little. I think the pendulum is swinging because mm-hmm. it has been, we've, had, we've been living for quite a few years now uh, with an ideal of making a lot of money, that money is success. And I think, I, I feel a slow shift towards back to my roots, where success was having, you know, something that is meaningful for you to do. And it's not necessarily about making money. You you don't work to make the money, you work to fulfill yourself and to give mm. something out. So maybe, maybe that is also a shift in attitude that the young generation mm-hmm. wants to do that now. Yeah. I mean, since we are on this topic, out of curiosity, uh, my own interpretation or kind of observation of this new generation of both gallerists and curators and actually artists is that they have also grown up, I mean, as as fully digital natives. Um, they, I mean, they, some people think when you talk about the kind of Instagram artists or Instagram gallerists that it might be negative. But for me, it's actually quite positive that there's this whole new generation of creators um, that have used the strengths, the, pl- the power of these platforms to reach out to global audiences immediately, uh, sometimes uh, without the need to work with ga- uh, gallerists, for example, uh, but even gallerists, like small niche gallerists uh, that um, have a global audience immediately because they are using these social platforms um, really well. Um, what, do you have an opinion about that? Do you, do you, I mean, you obviously um, have a longer history in the art scene, so are, are you, I mean, yeah, just curious. What's mm. your view on that? Well, there are different uh, levels on, in, this, in, in that discussion. I mean, I, I still think personally, but I also feel, I know that a lot of people agree with me, that you want to experience art live. You want to go into the room, you want to feel it physically and, you know, in the room and three-dimensionality, etc., etc. You also want to hang out with people in Mm. real life. So I I don't think, I mean, we we saw that quite clearly during the pandemic years, that this thing with uh, online viewing rooms and all that. Well, you could, maybe you could sell art from a very established artist to people mm-hmm. that really want know what they want, but uh, you can't introduce new artists really successfully there. That's my opinion, and mm-hmm. also I think it's uh, uh, empirically stated. <laughs> but what about using these platforms as a marketing vehicle? Yeah, well, that's good, of course. Mm. I mean, you can't avoid it. I, I mm. suck at it. I, I mean, so I'm so bad at using Instagram and all that, but... Uh, but, I mean, we work with that a lot, too, with the gallery, you know. Mm. So you can't avoid it. And I think that's very positive. You know, I, when, I, when I tell my staff that we, uh, I mean, in the beginning of our careers, first, you know, you put up a show. Then you had to hire a photographer to take photos. And then you had to wait for the photos to be developed. 
and then you had them copied into slides and then you had to mark the slides on a typewriter and then you had to put it in an envelope and then you had to mail it to the people I mean that took like 10 days 14 days mm. of course everything is quicker and easier and and I must say much more fun <laughs> mm -hmm. through technology nowadays so uh, I don't have anything against that at all all right well listen let's let's uh, do time travel 1991 uh, as you said there was a um, financial crisis in the Nordics the 80s were definitely over um, <clears throat> why did you want to start the gallery back then well, we wanted to start a gallery because we met and we both had been working at other galleries before, Siliana Andrian and I. So that, that came quite natural, actually, that we, we had already sort of decided to start our professional uh, career in that business. And then uh, we met working together at the gallery and after six months, the owners decided to close the gallery. So mm -hmm. the natural next step actually was to start our own space. But of course, it was easier for us to, to start due to the recession because we could we easily found a small apartment that we could rent immediately with 40 square meters and uh, the audience were really really you know with us from the start and also the artists because we presented something that was new and a new initiative and people i think it was quite depressing and worrying time it was worrious people were super afraid you know the, the, the it was very very bad for a while so i think that we among you know together with others offered a scene uh, and, and um, in a way you know a, a place where you could meet up and talk and party and meet with the artist and look at mm -hmm. you know people were very very interested in art yeah. <laughs> in the beginning of the 90s in sweden it was uh, the scene you know they still are i guess uh, yeah and then you, yeah they are they are mm -hmm. in a Different way, in a, in a, you know, in a way. But what's yeah. the difference then? I, mean, um, I think uh, the the big difference is that it was easier to get people to come into the gallery, you know, to meet up, mm -hmm. to to party and come to the dinners and all that in the beginning of the nineties. Now, it's an overload of everything, you know, and it's not mm. only on the art scene. There is so many things going on. People travel more. You have streaming. You have, you know. To have so many things that distract people. You didn't have that 30 years ago. Mm. Yeah, that's a fair point. So uh, out of curiosity, um, what's the main difference between you and Cillian? I mean, <laughs> you're two different people. I know that. But, <laughs> what, <laughs> <laughs> but how do you uh, complement each other? What are, let's say, the differences and the similarities between you? Uh, well, first of all, I think our strength, and we always say that, and we still believe in that, is that we weren't two friends from the start that mm. just decided to do something fun together. We, we, we met as two professional people and with a vision. We really f found a friendship and a base to stand on from that uh, equal vision of what we wanted to show and what we wanted to do with our gallery. And then we complement each other. Uh, and that's so complicated and, 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 sometimes, and a bit personal. So, I mean, I, I, I guess that I would not sort of really go there. But I guess we are... I think we complement each other, but I think mm -hmm. really we are, we have a big strength in being two, you know, because it's a hard, we work very, very hard. We work all mm -hmm. the time. So it's good to be two because then, you know, you always have another people on the other, a person on the other end that really understands what you're mm -hmm. going through or if you're tired or if you're going to do that. So it's a, it's a very, very 
valuable thing and we're actually mm. super proud of having you know we've, we've been together for over 30 years mm. in our business yeah and let's get back to Paris later uh, yeah but um, so so when you started um, did it immediately take off like commercially or uh, no no we mm. had to work extra the first mm. two or three years mm-hmm. in order to survive mm. because we didn't have any money in the company we just borrowed money from our mothers actually for the mm-hmm. uh, to start the company and then we just we had to work extra yeah two or three years we worked parallel in order to get it going mm. so what was the shift what, what, did no, you, you, uh, yeah that i think the shift was that you just have to learn how to do it you have to learn how to sell and you have to build a base your client base and as, mm. and especially since we were introducing a lot of art artists mm-hmm. that weren't known on the scene. I mean, we did a very early show with Xavier Vion, his first show mm-hmm. outside of France. Mm-hmm. We did we showed Jake and Dinos Chapman before they mm-hmm. were known. And I mean, that was art that people found very interested. But we always, we always got the question, but how you can't buy this? <laughs> <laughs> of course you could. And <laughs> so, but we, we just. I think had to educate the audience a little and mm. parallel to that also learn ourselves how to be, you know, how to place art and yeah, just how to do it. Even if we had been working on the business uh, before, you know, but mm. it's a different I mean, thing. It's a different thing when you have your own company. Can I ask you, I mean, t- today when you speak about <clears throat> the art scene with people, there's a lot of talk about the collect the collectors you know the collecting community and there's so much money now as well um and and so much new money and people that uh, need to spend the money on something right um but to my understanding also why the scandinavian art scene has been um so interesting commercially is also that there's been many institutions museums and kind of government supported funds that have kind of nourished the art industry uh, for is, is that true or not or no yeah well both yes and no I mean I really like the system that we have in Sweden well but I don't think that we have really had so much help from institutions you know mm-hmm. and certainly not from from the government certainly not no. from from politicians because um, if you compare to Denmark, and I think also Norway, maybe Finland too, I don't know, uh, they early on got help with money to, for, to introduce uh, artists abroad. Mm. So they got money for doing the art fairs. You know, they, they, they could apply for money for transportation, first of all. Mm-hmm. And we okay. have never had that. So what was the Sweden. first art fair you, you went to? The first art fair we did was Art Chicago, followed by Liste in Basel, and then mm. we did statements in Basel, and we've been doing Art Basel for almost 25 years. Yeah, so what's, <clears throat> I mean, what, what would be the main difference from the trade fairs back then and now? Smaller, they were smaller, the business was smaller, the scene was mm. smaller, now it's huge, and you have so many more art fairs, and they are bigger, and you have more artists and you have more dealers. So in the beginning, in the beginning of the 90s, you kind of knew each other. Uh, uh, you met a lot of uh, colleagues, you know, you had drinks after the fair and you didn't hang out so much with the collectors. Mm. Um, 
and uh, now it's more you know you just work 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 and after the when the fair closes you go to dinners with your collectors and all that so it's just a big it's a bigger industry now i think that's mm. the biggest difference why do you need to wine and dine the collectors so much well actually some of them are quite nice <laughs> so it's fun <laughs> good point <laughs> and i heard that you mentioned in the introduction to the port like the you you, you said the word lifestyle Mm. And uh, it's a little bit cringe for me, that word, lifestyle, when you, mm. when you mention it together with art. Mm -hmm. But, uh, of, course, of course, it is part of a lifestyle, both to be a gallerist, but also certainly to be a collector. And so it's mm. not only about buying art. It's about hanging out on the scene, having often very interesting discussions, actually, having a mm. lot of fun and just feeling that you're part of a community. Mm. I mean, I, th I would say that the majority of collectors, they are really, really engaged in the scene. They want to meet the artists, they want to know. They, I mean, you, I would say that the majority of collectors, they collect art because they learn something all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, and you get access to that when you are a collector. You get access to a very interesting scene. Mm. That is often in the forefront when it comes to other topics, you know, like mm. science, to, to, name, yeah, to name one. And, yeah, and, yeah, and, and, and technology and internet technology and, and you know, etc. Yeah, and the reason I, I, I kind of connected to lifestyle um, and all these other areas is, in my view, art uh, is obviously for everyone. I don't think anyone would argue about that, but I also want to make it as accessible as possible. <clears throat> I, I thought quite a lot, like, can you really create a podcast about art? There are many other podcasts about art, but can you talk about art? Uh, would there be a risk that you would over-intellectualize art? Uh, and, and, and then my conclusion was, hey, you know, I actually, I want to talk more about the system, the artists, the gallerists, like not talk so much about art itself. Uh, and then I, I actually do think it is, as you also confirmed, very much part of, of a lifestyle of, of many people. Um, and, I, and I think that's actually great. Uh, I think lifestyle is something positive if, if we connect it to art in that way, that uh, not everyone can be a collector uh, or not everyone can run an art gallery, uh, but there's a lot of people with an interest in art and they feel that they connect to it's part of their identity to be part of that community yes and of uh, course i really yeah. want to add that now because now we were talking about collectors but i mean yeah. that's why you have a gallery to create this the meeting yes i mean you're offering the scene mm -hmm. so you don't have to buy art to to in order to tap into all this knowledge and all these interesting discussions that are going on you can just visit the gallery you know and strike up a conversation and hang out with people there but why do you think a gallery, a traditional gallery space is still so quiet, so white, so so kind of, um, uh, it's not a hostile environment, but it, it can feel uh, scary for, for a lot of people to go into a traditional art gallery. Why do you think that the galleries still keep to this format? Well, I, you know, I'm so, this, this thing, this question and this discussion has been since you know in there since we started the gallery and mm. i still can't understand <laughs> what what is so hostile what is so <laughs> scary i really truly don't understand that i mean you're open because i mean hey it's open you don't mm. have to pay entrance fee you can just go in something someone hopefully says hello to you and hopefully. then you can just start <laughs> <laughs> you can just start look at the art 
So uh, now I'm actually asking you, why do people still say that it's so hostile mm. environment in galleries? Mm. Tell, tell me, because I my, my own can't observation, that question. The, and this is very subjective, of course, is that some galleries, um, no names mentioned. <laughs> yes. They, you might still, you know, I, okay, let's say maybe not so much in Sweden anymore, but still, if you go to some blue ship galleries uh, in, in some of the major cities in the world, on the on the most expensive streets when you go into those galleries they might not even say hello to you it's very quiet it's it's like uh, it's it's for me it's fantastic it's 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 an opportunity to meditate to relax to look at art you know so i feel very comfortable there but i can imagine that many uh, people that are let's say not that familiar with the art scene might feel it's a bit distant it's 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 almost uh, church-like or it's it's uh, you know it's yeah and and i have no idea why it's still like that um but i mean uh still like it it's still like that because the environment is made for showing art so mm. i mean and then i've seen through the years people that really tries to do something else you know they play music or they have mm -hmm. parties and all that but at the end of the day you know when the party is over it's about the art and uh, so, you, you know, you just have to have the room to install the art in. So, um, but I mean, maybe it's intimidating just to, to go into a quiet, fairly large room. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Either with or without art. <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. maybe, that's, maybe that's the answer to the question. Because I, of course, and I mean, uh, of course, I mean, I can feel sometimes when if I look scruffy and I have a bad hair day and I go into a very expensive shop for clothes or jewelry, yeah. of course I, 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 I notice that I am not as well received as mm. if I have a good day. No, and you, but you know, I just don't care. I just don't care. No, but uh, yeah. so maybe that's also the. Uh, I can just tell you that we've always at Andrea Shipchenko had the idea, or. Um, it's very important for us that when you as a visitor enter our gallery, our spaces, there would be someone to say, to greet you, to say hello, welcome. Mm. Then we don't want the visitor to feel chased. So no, next question is, just tell me if you want me to, to say anything about mm. the art. And people say, yes, thank you, I will. And some, some people say, I'm fine. And some people say, yes, I would love that. So I think that creates a good environment and it's friendly and it's not too much you know mm. so you also talked about uh, how these trade fairs or or art fairs have changed shape and form over the years um it's much more commercial as you say there's much more money much harder competition uh, we have freeze this week we have art basel or paris paris plus next week uh, you're going to exhibit in paris you, you've been at art basel for you said 25 years I mean, out of curiosity, like, what, what do you make out of the contemporary art fair scene? It has become a, a, an unavoidable factor. You just have to do the fairs in order to reach not only collectors and, and the, that international audience, but also the museums and uh, media and all that. So mm. I, to be a bit sort of harsh about it, I mean, I think you 
need to do the art fairs in order to promote your artists. How do you it's not I mean, only so at the art fairs, but it's yeah, one no. very important tool. Yeah, I mean, I, I and then there is of course Basel and others that are established, Fries, etc. But uh, how do you select among all of these different art fairs that exist at the moment? Well, it depends on you know. Well, you, we of course you want to exhibit at the most the, the powerful art fairs, and Basel mm -hmm. is absolutely the most important fair mm -hmm. organizer. That's just and so. to my understanding, it's not the most expensive. They're still keeping this system of um, like you pay for the yeah, but it it's I know it's very expensive, but it's to my understanding not the most expensive, and that they have this system still that every gallery pays the same fee regardless of size of gallery. Uh, turnover of gallery that you know you pay for the square meters you buy. I mean, you, you do, yes. Mm. But now I'm a bit unsure because I think that maybe Art Basel has. Uh, I think you have to pay a little bit more per square meter if you have the really large booths. Oh, maybe. Okay. Hmm. So what are you going to do next week then? So next week we we are participating at the first edition of Paris Plus Par, Par Art Basel. And it's of course mm -hmm. a big thing. It's the hottest ticket right now, actually. Because everyone is so curious to see um, how it will be. And of course, you know, it's FIAC had to close and all mm -hmm. that. So um, I think a lot of people will go there. And, and I'm very, very happy if, uh, uh, I'm, I'm actually very much looking forward to install our booth because we're mm -hmm. introducing new artists, new th for the in the gallery program, and also parallel to that, we're opening a big show with Kaiser von Seipel in our space in in Paris. So it's going to be, uh, I think, a, hec a insanely hectic week, but <laughs> also hopefully insanely fun. Yeah, and I'm uh, hopefully meeting you there. I'm going to be in Paris next week. Yes, so I'm planning to go to the preview on Wednesday and then uh, a few other things during the week. So yeah, hopefully I, I, I will meet you as well. But um, do, you, do you think that it's, uh, is it still like the main uh, arena where you do business or is it more, as you say, kind of this social element? Uh, it's one of the main arenas for business. Absolutely. Absolutely. But mm -hmm. also, as you are saying, um, for a, as a, for a, for a professional, you know, you 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 talk a lot to your colleagues. It's always, you know, it's a it's a way to exchange experiences. You meet new people, not only collectors. You meet new colleagues, and you uh, exchange experiences and ideas. So I think fairs are. I mean, it's so easy to say all the negative things about fairs. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, sometimes I laugh when I see people trying to make, to write reviews on, 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 from art fairs. I mean, that's <laughs> like, why? <Yeah. laughs> why write a review? Why, why try to be critical about art that is doing that? It's not an exhibition in mm -hmm. that way. It's a, it's, a, it's a very, very important meeting point for mm -hmm. art. I'm not saying artists, art collectors, professionals, and, you know, if you go there, you learn a lot. So also, I think if you are interested in the scene, you should go to art fairs. Mm. We'll soon uh, unbox a bit more the gallery space in Paris. But before we do, there's maybe a last question about the art market. In one of my recent episodes, I interviewed um, Hilde, the woman behind the, the kind of Instagram art meme account. 
um, Jerry Gogosian, and she she kind of uh, makes fun of the whole art scene and. First it was anonymous, and then she was um, exposed, and you know now she's kind of building her own name in the space, etc. But I think uh, the, the, it was quite interesting the conversation, especially around the, the mechanics of the, the contemporary art scene, especially in the blue ship galleries, and how systematic it is. You know, like there's this system, these these rules, and you know. Even if you're a billionaire, you can't just go in and buy art. And, you know, there, there, there's all these these written or unwritten rules. Um, is this something that you recognize? And, and I mean, you obviously play by the rules, right? Because you're running an art <laughs> gallery. But <laughs> now I, I think I understand the question. Uh, I mean, you have, uh, how shall I put this? Um, you have some very, very big players, uh, some very, very big galleries, attracting more and more uh, artists, not always very, very big, but they are sort of uh, inflated just through working with certain galleries. And so that is one, that is one sort of universe, one uh, vortex of energy, you know, all this... Mm -hmm. uh, uh, the high prices and uh, the celebrity artists hanging out with celebrities and the dealers are also celebrities, private mm -hmm. jets, etc, etc. Uh, and of course they have the, uh, the privilege, if, if, if you would call it that, to also control the market more and more. But uh, the majority actually of, of the Western world's galleries are still mid-career, mid-size. Mm. And we are a very typical example of that. And we are actually, mm -hmm. if I may say so, the ones that make this world uh, go around, you know. Mm. Because we are finding the new artists. We are, we are collaborating with, with young new artists. We are, uh, you know, following them on their career path. And uh, so we, I think we are the pods. Mm. We are pods for, for the artists. And, uh, and then... You know, if you're lucky, some of them propel some, you know, they, they climb higher levels. And some really, really good artists, they stay, you know, a little bit hidden. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they have their following. They do super good shows. They are collected. They come to, to, to museums and they do institutional shows and all that. And it's just, you know, something that it's going on parallel to this sort of the big circus with the big money. Um, so I think you just have to... Uh, uh, there are some, uh, yeah, you just, I don't think we should forget about that scene because mm. it's rather big and rather important. <laughs> yes, but they don't get maybe as much media attention. No, they don't. Media. No. no, they don't. Because also, <clears throat> you know, you have the PR companies nowadays. Yeah. You certainly didn't mm. have them in the beginning of the 90s. So, mm -hmm. and they <laughs> have to write news, you know. They yes. have to, they have to keep the bubble, uh, you know, big and so they write their reports from different art fairs and of course you only read about the, the billion dollar deals and etc yeah. etc et but there are so many other much more interesting things going on in that you know on the scene mm. <laughs> but did you ever want to become a pace or a gogosian or did was that even on your radar or we haven't really you know that's not our uh, angle really on it mm -hmm. we uh, i mean of course for us it's very important to be uh, you know, you have to, you have to make a living. You have to. I mean, 
we're, we're here for the artists first of all and you know an artist we want to we want to sell our artists work and mm. place them in good collection collections etc etc i think it's more important to talk about motives uh you know the motive for us has always been mm. to as i said in the beginning to work on an international arena and introducing also Swedish art to an international audience and vice versa. I think mm -hmm. that's what has been very, very important to us. To meet, to also to have, you know, to, to somehow be a part of a, of, a, of a discussion of a context that is about art and also about our business. So... Mm -hmm. um, but why is it so hard to buy art? And so, <laughs> I mean, literally, even if I'm a billionaire, I can't just mm. go into any art gallery and buy art I want because there will always be like, okay, are you a collector? What do you collect? What's in your collection? Mm. What's your mm. view on art? You know, mm. I can't just go in and say, you know, I want to buy this piece because I like it. Um, so why is it like that? Because a dealer has to take care of, a, of the artist's oeuvre. And uh, we've had... I mean, one thing is that we had, you know, people wants to speculate in art. Mm. <laughs> so uh, for a while there, that was quite, you know, the wild west with people flipping art. They, they mm -hmm. bought it and they flipped it and they were speculating. So I think a lot of dealers just has, has been forced to become a little bit more protective. Mm -hmm. And of course, uh, uh, sometimes you can just be, you, you are in that position that you can actually uh, place demands on the buyer. Are you going to sell it? <laughs> How, where are you going to install it? To get in what kind of collection? I, I don't find it so strange, actually. Okay, fair enough. I, <laughs> but, but I hear that you don't agree. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't I, I'm disagree. Just, I'm just trying to give another, uh, another yeah. angle to this. No, uh, I don't disagree. So to, yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's just that it's, um, I mean, again, philosophically, you're, you know, you... you, you obviously want art to be accessible to all yeah, yeah. but then um, that's a theory because in practice uh, it's not <laughs> no and then but then I can you know uh, even if I am a dealer and a gallerist you don't necessarily have to own the art in order to experience it no I, I, I come enough, back but. again <clears throat> to the idea of the gallery the gallery is you know it's about the scene and the meeting so yeah. uh, Fair enough. But listen, uh, Paris, while we are in Paris, uh, you have a gallery in Paris since, what, four or five years now? Mm, three and a half, almost four years now. Okay. So why did you want to open a space there? Uh, well, that was because, yeah, for, for a few reasons. First of all, uh, Sweden is Sweden. It's small and it's a bit in the periphery. So in order to meet the international audience, we had to travel a lot and we had to do a lot of art fairs. And uh, we were seeing a lot of uh, our colleagues opening up uh, several spaces. We were also discussing that for, for quite a few years, actually, before we did it, because we wanted also, you know, we wanted to investigate if we mm. could find uh, one more space in order to maybe stop doing so many art fairs. Uh, also to, you know, in order to maybe to get a sort of a, deeper and more long-standing uh, relation with our collectors because at art fairs you know you meet and something happens and then you you email yeah. each other and then you know if you don't see each other you, you, it sort of sort of just disappears yeah so there yeah and also uh, it was the fact that we had been having our gallery for quite a long time 
Siliana was very uh, prepared to move and try this. She has been mm-hmm. she has been living and studying in Paris before. She has a lot of friends there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so there were a lot of uh, parameters behind the decision to do it. Eventually. And then obviously the pandemic came mm. in between now mm. and then, right? So how how yeah, did that, that was impact? A, that was traumatic actually. Yeah. Uh, because I mean, Siliana had to be in, in confinement for quite mm-hmm. a long time. Mm-hmm. It was brutal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, we were lucky enough to have we 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 had we were we already had planned two shows, uh, one with Tony Mattelli and the other one with Ridley Howard. So even if we we put up shows because you know Selena had to sneak away to the gallery, put up a show, <laughs> and and then go home again. Uh, we were lucky enough actually to uh, be able to to keep to uh, promote those two shows, even if the gallery was closed almost all the time mm. but uh, of course that was a, a brutal experience everything mm. can imagine mm. so marina i'm just curious uh, in my introduction and for people that knows you uh, they've seen that you also i mean you play a role in popular culture not only in art <laughs> um so you have been i mean you have long history in the electronic uh, music scene you've been acting i mean can you unbox a bit that part of you and your life mm. so i started my first electronica band 1980 when i was 15 years old mm. and so i had been playing the classical piano and then i was totally totally sort of uh, i think i was a bit of a nerd when i was a kid i was absolutely into science fiction and then came the electronica music i saw gary newman and i was like what mm-hmm. is this so and i so and and i just i think i had energy I was a little bit restless kid, you know, so I just did a lot of things. I bought a synthesizer and we started this band, um, me and uh, a guy called Eddie. And uh, so it's just been a huge part of my life to be, and I think I'm very, uh, uh, I'm brought up on a subcultural scene. Mm-hmm. I grew up there, so I, I, and I think it has been very important for me also uh, when I started the gallery and it has been, it's a big part of my identity. Uh, and also, you know, when I grew up, my father came from Russia. He died mm-hmm. when I was 10. And it was, uh, I always felt in a good way to be, I was a little bit of an outsider. I was looking at things from a slightly different angle. So I think also that gave me the energy to, well, I can, I can, I can do this. I can start a band because mm-hmm. I just felt, I think I had a, a feeling of uh, a freedom to do whatever I wanted because I wasn't part of a fixed group when I was growing up, you know, or a fixed part of society. And um, for our listeners that might not know the bands you've been been in, uh, could you... Um, so the this, first band uh, There's was, a long list, right? Yeah, it's a long <laughs> list, so I'm not going to bore you, but the first band is... And it actually still exists. We, we, our name is Posh, and we played... It's, uh, it's electronic, and we really had a manifest when we started, you know, monophonic synthesizers, that was the only synthesizers that existed back then, <laughs> <laughs> and pop music, la la la. And, and, but then also, I, I have been playing with a guy called Alexander Bard in two uh, bands, Vacuum and then Bodies Without Organs. Mm. And, uh, but I do other stuff too, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do. But so. that experience, uh, which, I mean, given Alexander Bard's um, position in, in the music scene, uh, was more commercial, right? Yes. Than maybe yes. other initiatives yes. that you embark on. How, it was that, 
I mean, uh, because, and, and this is again, very subjective opinion, even if I have known you for a long time, I don't know you. So uh, <laughs> but my, my, my view is that that was maybe um, of personality. Is that true or not? Or is that just a uh, So it's the question opinion? that how did it feel to be super commercial suddenly together yes. with Alexander Bard in Bodies Without Organs? Yes, it was completely actually, honestly, it was a concept. Alexander mm. said, let's do a hyper-commercial mm-hmm. pop band that's, 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 that's going to be played on radio. And I was like, yeah, why not? That's fun. Mm. But of course, it wasn't really like me. It didn't come from my soul mm. or from my roots. But it was, uh, I had a distant relationship. Uh, it was, I was a bit distanced, but I had a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I, wasn't overth- I, I wasn't overthinking that one. No, that's fair. <laughs> and how much or not has your musical career kind of helped your career as a gallerist? Not at all, I would say. No? It has, no, no, I don't think so. Of course, as I said, of course, it has, it's a huge part of my personality to come a little bit from the outside. The name recognition? No, no. There are not that many Chipchenkos in no. Sweden. <laughs> but I don't think that the gallery has been more successful because I played in bands. No? Not okay. at all, actually. Oh, interesting. Sometimes, to be very honest, during those years, I was thinking, is this bad for the gallery? Mm. Yeah. Maybe people, maybe people will yeah. not take the gallery as serious as mm. I and certainly Cillian and my business partner that I have a responsibility towards to will mm. take the... Will will uh, you know? Maybe they will look at the gallery differently because I do this. But so, did Cillian uh, mention this at all during those years? No, we, I mean we are always we have been very sort of generous towards each other, mm-hmm. and we try to you know give each other space and room. But we, of course we have discussed this during the years. Mm. Look in the back, you know. Looking back, I don't think it har- it, it. I didn't think it harmed the gallery, but I didn't think it, it, that it did something positive for the gallery either it was just a parallel car- career in a way that's, so my, 30, that's my thought so, yeah so 30 years mm-hmm. of Andrian Shevchenko the gallery will it live for another 30 years I certainly do hope so <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean we are in it for the long I mean we that's another that's that's another important thing for us mm-hmm. long-term representation you know mm-hmm. Uh, to work for, for hopefully long term with our artists and also to keep relationships, you know, with, to be very serious about that. And uh, but then, you know, I'm not sure that I will be uh, that old. And maybe I don't want to work as much as I do right now when I'm uh-huh. eight. But your name can still be on the door. <laughs> yes, <laughs> right. My dog can inherit it, and Celina's kids. so i mean i I mentioned that i i interviewed some young gallerists and you know you obviously um you know what's happening on the scene generally what would be an advice to a young gallerist uh actually then i will quote my dear dear colleague klaus nodenhake who is slightly Mm -hmm. older than us he said yesterday when i talked to him uh you know there are no sundays in this business (laughs) <laughs> and I think uh, uh, my boring advice, but it's very, it's very honest and straightforward, is that you have to work a lot. Mm-hmm. And in order to work a lot, you think you, you have to love what you're doing. So don't start 
uh, don't go into the business if you think it's easy and quick. You know, you just you have to have passion. Otherwise, mm. you know, it will just uh, kill you. That's great advice. So listen, um, to close this off, um, for the listeners that want to visit you in Stockholm, what can they see currently in, in the gallery? A beautiful installation with paintings from 1990 up till now by Maja Eisenöje, a Swedish legendary, especially uh, she's well known, uh, she sort of became very well known during the Swedish postmodern postmodernist years. So for us it's an important show actually because we are showing works that 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 were made uh, in, when we had our first collaboration with Maya 1991 when we just started the gallery. Mm -hmm. So it's a piece of Swedish art history and also a piece of uh, Andrei Shevchenko history. So that's what you can see in Stockholm. And then in Paris next week, we're opening mm -hmm. a spectacular show with Kaisa von Seipel. And um, Kaisa, just a few words about her. Uh, we are proud actually to say that we have mm -hmm. some artists that we had that we started working with when they graduated here at the, mm -hmm. Royal, uh, the Academy in Stockholm. Annika von Hauswolf, Gunnar Wallstrand, and also Kaisa. When we saw her graduation show, it was like, ah, oh, this is. We just have to work with her, and uh, and it's been great to follow her career. Now she lives in New York, and she's one of the young Swedish artists that really have an international, very interesting career going on. So, mm. uh, and of course for us, it's a it's a big thing. It's a great joy, joy to be able to offer her now a space in Paris. Mm. Well, looking forward to see see the show in Paris. Uh, the show in Stockholm is is great. So for the listeners, go and visit it. And actually, you also I saw that you recently picked up Sixten Alexander, another recent graduate, right? Sixten Alexander Österberg, exactly, yeah. and she yeah. graduated too. And I I think her her future looks very bright too. Very very bright, Marina. It's always a pleasure to speak to you. Um, I could go on for hours and hours, but I think we should maybe round off. Oh no! Uh, <laughs> maybe you can come back to the podcast uh, in in the future. But uh, this was Konst, a podcast by Scandinavian Mind about contemporary future art, the interconnection with society, culture, technology, finance, and lifestyle. Right, Marina? Yes. <laughs> and, and I'm Rola Flip Kretschmar. This was Marina Chipchenko. Thank you so much. Thank you.